0: All right, my friend, we are live. John, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Got uh, my five shots of espresso in me, so I'm amped up, ready to go.
0: Five shots? Is that is, is that like hyperbole, or is it actually five shots?
1: No, it's five. It's an Americano from Starbucks. Okay. Uh, with an extra shot, so wow. it's five shots, and I'm 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 gonna be on my on my game today. Well, I'm know? excited, man.
0: I'm excited. Hey, maybe that's maybe that's what I need. I have a, a son at home who's like nine and a half months now. And I feel like like I, the story I've been telling myself is that my coffee is just too weak. But it could be mm-hmm. that the coffee is exactly the way that it's always been. I'm just more tired. So I've been drinking yeah. a lot more coffee. I need more caffeine with, with like less liquid. Maybe I need to do the John Ozzoni and get uh, five shots in my coffee each day.
1: Yeah, or caffeine pills. Okay. Those, oh. those work good. Okay. Um, I, I just went to... um. I don't know, like a family vacation to Iceland, and I'm like, their coffee is so much different really? than America. How and so? it, just like a regular coffee, I asked the lady, one of the ladies at the coffee place. I was like, "What's the difference between every?" Everything was like, you can either get regular coffee or you get an Americano, and they're like, the regular coffee is stronger. Okay. Um, okay. And, it, and it's like nice and foamy and stuff. And, and I feel like that's the opposite in the States where if like, if you get like some sort of espresso drink, like an Americano, that's like way stronger. Like regular coffee is just like <laughs> watered down anyway. Well, fascinating. Well, I'll have to remember yeah. that for my, uh, my <laughs> next trip, my
0: next trip to Iceland. Um, well, dude, I wanted to ta- really like have this conversation with you because I've seen you pop up all over social media over at least my feed in the last few months. And I then found your podcast and I've listened to a couple episodes, but we've never spoken before. We, we don't know each other at all, but I wanted to chat with you because your the whole like framing of your, of your show is about storytelling and storytelling, I think is one of those, those topics that is so overdone in higher ed really. And, and quite frankly, overdone on higher ed podcasts as well um, because, mm-hmm. because everyone, everyone knows that it's important everyone has a has an understanding probably just based off of their own experience that story like moves us right story can change perspectives story can you know shift emotions very very quickly so it's a very powerful powerful like mechanism um but but it's also like really, really, really hard to do well. And I think higher ed tries to do it well, but but oftentimes we we just like really, really fail. So I know that you've been spending uh, a, a lot of time thinking through, hey, what are what are like the mechanics? Like what are the frameworks? What's, what is the true like art of storytelling? And ultimately, you know, how do we apply that to our our current marketing objectives as a, as a college or university how do we use this as a rec- recruitment tool whatever your sort of like hope is for for communicating your story how do we do so in a way that is you know that works at the end of the day so i want to i want to have this like broad conversation around what you've learned starting this podcast right which in and of itself sort of is 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 a story each episode is a story a story that you're telling with with your guest talk to us a little bit about just where where this like love for storytelling originated
1: yeah so it's it's kind of interesting i went to so my background's in in painting actually i went to art school um studied abstract painting kind of got into video through just like youtube had just come out um 2005 ish uh and i had got my first macbook and started making like time lapses of me making these big paintings and kind of like realized that I liked editing videos and stuff like that. And this whole YouTube thing was was kicking off. So um, I graduated college and then I actually left uh, or I actually went into a job in uh, homeless outreach, which is like you do when you leave art school, (laughs) you know. uh, So my buddy and I had been doing kind of a, a ministry effort here in Detroit, just like meeting people on the street, really just for the sake of knowing them and just kind of meeting where them where they're at, not really trying to like solve their life's problems. Um, But we got picked up by a big nonprofit in Detroit, started doing homeless outreach kind of more on a corporate level. Wow. And that's where I realized really the power of storytelling, um, because it's a tough job. Like when you go from when you go from just. Hanging out with people, you know, just Learning their names, um, you know, and 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 really not having much of a objective. That's so much different than going into an environment to do that where there's big money involved. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's like hundreds of thousands of dollars from the the, you know, various big funders, Roger Penske, you know, all these, yeah. all these kind of like that level of uh business sponsors sponsoring this program. And they want to see outcomes and um and trying to kind of beat your head up against the wall, trying to like now now we got to now we got to like almost solve homelessness, which was (laughs) which was very different. So I realized very quickly I'm not a great social worker. I'm good at just like handing out sandwiches and like, you know, getting to know people's stories and stuff like that. But I'm not a great like formal social worker. Um, But what I realized was like, you know, those times where I would get really I would get really kind of just uh not frustrated but just uh just kind of start to lose energy because mm. you just feel like man like that it's this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> this is hard. They 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 come with like when you're trying to actually solve their physical problems, they come with such such wealth of problems. And it would get kind of deep uh discouraging is the word I'm looking for. Um but when I would hear their stories, I remember sitting just sitting across from a, a gentleman and um he just started telling me about like he played the trumpet growing up and he has got a fan. He's got a sister and, uh, you know, stuff that he liked as a kid and his parents and stuff like that. And when you start to realize that the, the person sitting in front of you is no longer an issue to solve, but mm. now they're like a real person. Mm. Um, I just noticed that would just catapult me into action. Um, and so that's kind of like and I would just want to do anything I could to help that person because all of a sudden they become human. And so I think that 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 really Kind of sparked my love for storytelling and and content creation because um, I was really more interested in telling their stories and um, telling the story of the program that was happening and, and stuff like that. Uh, so eventually, they said, "You should go do that." <laughs> <laughs> also known as being fired. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's how I sort of was uh, stumbled into a video career. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just when you when you realize the humanity in another person it just connects you emotionally in Mm. a way that like just information and that you know logical kind of communication can't
0: yeah yeah oh that's that's super interesting my so so my uncle actually he uh has uh he he has schizophrenia and so he's been on the streets for on and off for like most of his life Mm. and most of his adult life i should say and um, it, it's funny. Like he, he's you know, s- s- uh, growing up. This was actually in Hawaii. I was born and raised in Hawaii. And uh, the, there's a actually a pretty like thriving uh, homeless community in Hawaii. Uh, way back when, the, the federal government had a program where they buy people like a one way ticket to Hawaii because it's you know year it's warm and you know the climate's nice year round. So, anyways, oh, yeah. the the state uh, it's it's been a, a huge like challenge for the state, quite frankly. But um, there, there are a lot of homeless people in Hawaii. Anyways, so he, uh, I remember like at times when we were growing up, my parents, you know, if we saw him at the bus stop or the McDonald's, we, we could go and like, you know, we'd buy him like a, uh, a, a happy meal or whatever for McDonald's. And we, you know, chat with him. And anyways, I remember talking to some of his friends at, 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 at um, at one point. And just to your point, being so moved by how vulnerable they were and how, and actually, quite frankly just how great they were at telling stories right about like mm-hmm. their lives and and just they just vol- you know volunteer a lot of information and obviously the, there's a lot going on there but one of the things that you know I wonder is is it is perhaps it's because you're you're at a place you're you're in a context where you're just so freaking vulnerable that you really have nothing to lose but be like radically yourself right and i feel yeah. like that that is the best storytelling like when you're talking to somebody who is so unapologetically who they are Regardless of what they think and what you think about what they think, it's it's interesting, it's entertaining, it's it's uh mm-hmm. it's thought provoking, right? So so I wonder if there's this element of great storytelling that really has to do with you know, finding a context where people are so unbelievably vulnerable. And like vulnerable has all these like layered connotations, some of which aren't aren't always so great, but but I wonder if really that is the ideal circumstance that somebody needs to be in to To truly get something remarkable
1: yeah vulnerability is something i talk a lot about on uh the podcast and then we get into sort of like brene brown quotes Mm. (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that but uh it really is um uh it is a key uh tenant of storytelling is 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 vulnerability and that vulnerability um really unlocks like it brings guards down like when when that that's the vulnerability that says this person is another human and now we're connecting human to human rather than business to business or business to customer yeah or whatever that is and um you know i read somewhere that like i i mean i i don't know what the statistic is but like when when a customer or whatever you know sees you being vulnerable or sees a piece of content where the person is being vulnerable, it's like a a dramatic increase in engagement and, um, conversion rates because now they have this emotional bond that they wouldn't have had if you were just pitching services to them.
0: Um,
1: and so that's why, that's why storytelling is just something that I really, um, promote a lot and not in the same way. I think that, I think, I think storytelling gets really confused it's such a buzzword and so it yeah. gets confused with just marketing yeah. like with just uh saying things like people think that oh I said this thing and then I uh, said and I used some fancy words so I so I told a story hmm. it's like well, not necessarily there's like actual scientific things that go into storytelling vulnerability being one of those things that kind of unlock the that brain chemistry
0: well it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting consistently confused by all of the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction and even worse, possible melt. You knew this would happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a Come to Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not gonna convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software. Adriana from admissions just got set up with her new CRM and Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, my friend, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes systems like your SIS behind the scenes where they belong, which makes it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their higher ed journey, from prospect all the way through to alumni. What's even better is that Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus from marketing to admissions, to student affairs, to it, etc., can get equally excited about. You can learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that Zach from the Enrollify podcast sent you their way. Again, that's pathify.com. And be sure to mention that you heard about them on the Enrollify podcast. All right, folks back to the show. What do you think because there are folks who are listening to this conversation probably thinking themselves, of course, like everyone talks about why, you know, vulnerability is important and why it's it's this kind of key ingredient to, to accessing quality story. What are what are sort of the circumstances that you think? like, what is necessary in order to harness this from students in a way that's obviously still sort of like, respectful and not exploitive, like, which, which can certainly happen? Like, how how do you think folks can do a better job at facilitating environments for the purpose of capturing story that promote and inspire vulnerability?
1: Yeah, I think it really comes down to just getting to know people. And so when I think I think when uh, colleges and universities go go to do storytelling, most of them that I've talked to don't have a bank of stories, um, you know, in their back pocket. So uh, we start working with them um, and they they go, "Okay, now we got to go find stories. And and so when you do that and and you say, um, hey, I want stories, uh, you know, send us stories Typically, the ones that come back are what people would assume the marketing team wants, you know, which is like, I liked the school five stars, you know, um, had a great experience, always wanted to be an engineer, went to school for engineering, and now I'm an engineer, you know, that that kind of thing. Um, But when you really listen, and when you really start to ask deeper questions of students and get into uh, contexts where you're getting to know students, um, in a different way than just a survey or just like um, some vague kind of like, hey, send us send us your story. All of a sudden, you start as a storyteller to uncover the stories yourself through just genuine con- genuinely connecting with people. And so, mm-hmm. I I like one of the th- things that I kind of recommend is market research and storytelling go go hand in hand. And when you're when you're actually talking to a student or an alumni and hearing about their experience with the school, um, and, uh, and getting kind of that quantitative feedback, that's also a great opportunity to be like, Hey, where are you coming from? And why does that matter? Why does that matter to you? Or like, what's a challenge that you've overcome, uh, in your life. And so I, so I think it really comes down to just asking better questions.
0: Hmm.
1: That's one of the things that like, I think, I just think is really important is, is, is finding ways to like, get someone's guard to come down and start to be vulnerable with you so that you can start to absorb like, oh, there is a compelling story here that wouldn't have come out if we were just asking them like rate the school on a scale of one to 10 or like, you know, send us your story. They might not even know they have a story. So if you're just like, send us your story, they might just be like, I don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but if you really, if you really start digging, there's stories everywhere and you won't know that unless you're really starting to kind of talk to people in a in ask better questions. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a, a couple things come to mind there. One is just around also this I think this key ingredient which I think is layered into what you're saying here is is time, right? Like you you need time to get to know somebody before you're willing to share in a meaningful fashion. And even if you're like an open book, even if you're maybe more extroverted, you 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 like talking to people, you like talking about yourself. Even if all those things are true, Oftentimes, right, there, there is still like this barrier that exists between, you know, the the face that Zach puts on when he's, you know, podcasting or networking versus, you know, Zach after 5 p.m. Or, or whatever it is, <laughs> right? Like, the, the, you know, both are still Zach. There's still aspects of who I am. But if you want more detail on, you know, Zach after 5 p.m., like... You're only going to get that with time, right? Meaning meaning it's going to take some level of like mutual commitment and interest with each other, the the interviewer and, and the interviewee, before I'm willing to, to go there. Which is actually why I think like long-form podcasts are super interesting, right? You you think about like the Joe Rogan show, for instance, right? And just what what he's able to do in like three hours with somebody. And you, 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 you yeah. listen to like the first 20 minutes versus like the last 20 minutes of any conversation regardless of what you think of joe like and and you you can see this this total change uh, in in how people are how, and how they're communicating right and it's it's like you've gone from this you, you've transitioned from uh I, i'm in the hot seat i'm i'm being interrogated to like okay we are two buddies You know, having a beer and talking about what's really going on in life, right? And I feel like so much of the time when it comes to creating this content in the context of higher ed, it's like, all right, we're going to schedule my interview with John from 9 o'clock to 9.30 on this day, and like in 30 minutes... I'm trying to get you to get, be vulnerable with me and share something super yeah. interesting that I can use for a three to four minute, like program overview video. Like, and that is like, that is so like unhuman. Like that is just like, it, it's, it's impossible to get anything meaningful in, in 30 minutes. Right. So, yeah. it, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you have any specific reactions to, to kind of like the time component and the time element here.
1: Yeah. I mean, building a rapport is, is, is huge. And that's something that, cause you know, I've, found my my business is a video production company. We work with colleges on their video storytelling. So one of the components of the things that we really pay attention to is when we're like the the school will hand off, we try to take a lot of the coordinating um and direct, you know, kind of tedious coordinating and stuff with the students to get them to the shoot on the same day, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and in that process is building rapport with the student or the alumni. Um, and it's really important for us to do a pre-interview and that's where we, like the cameras aren't rolling. Yeah. We're just talking over zoom and we can kind of get to know them. And it's amazing. I, I don't think there's been a time where I ever regretted doing a a pre-interview. Yeah. Like just, um, getting to know you from what the school will tell us about this particular student is usually about 40 percent of the meat that's there (laughs) and uh and and you know because they because they're you know like you said you know that they have no reason really yet to be like super vulnerable with the school They the school is just kind of like you got a story like oh this person would be a great candidate here you go John um, and and so I think it really comes down to building rapport and that's that's a huge part of what we do we don't go into an interview with us with a student or faculty or anyone without having talked to them first in a yeah. in a really low key setting and just just shooting the breeze um, stuff comes out all the time that yeah. that you wouldn't otherwise. Um, that you wouldn't otherwise know. I used to, my background in video production is I kind of cut my teeth in weddings. Uh And um, as most videographers, I feel like (laughs) do. um, But one of the things that we started implementing because we were very focused on storytelling and not in the typical, like every wedding, videographer, filmmaker says they're a storyteller when, and then you look at their work and it's just like a music video, you know? And that's like, okay. maybe it's a visual story, but like, we really wanted to dive deeper into like the emotion of the day and the backstories of the couple. Um, so one of the things we started doing was we would pre-interview the toast givers, Hmm. um, because they're the ones that are bringing a lot of the dialogue, um, you know, to the day where they're telling stories and they're, they're talking and stuff like that. And we would try to get to know the bride and the groom through their, uh, through their toast givers a little bit, uh, and it was interesting how much just a simple ten minute conversation with a maid of honor or something completely uh, changed the way that we filmed mm. that day. We picked up on things that we would have never picked up on, and you're able to just get a much more like much more intimate storytelling. So I really think it just does come down to at the very least you're going to have a transactional interview with uh, with someone coming up on video or whatever at least take 15 minutes to just build some rapport with them ahead yeah. of time yeah. and and call them any sort of worries because that person's coming into that and they've built it up a lot in their minds and they're probably I've can't t- count how many times I've interviewed people who had been practicing in the mirror the night yeah. before
0: huh yeah
1: <laughs> and that's yeah. just a symptom of like my guard is up yeah I want to perform like it's a, it, it really takes a skill uh to get somebody to let their guard down and yeah. that's where you get that's where you really get into the meat uh you know of a of a conversation we did um we did uh this previous production company I worked at we we were hired by um a a a uh a woman who was a show jump, horse show jumper okay um and a she And a lot of money okay uh she's an heir of the Hearst corporation oh wow okay (laughs) so she flew us out to to, uh california where she was competing and she goes um well i just want to do a story like four minute story on my horses you know so why don't you come out for a week see meet the horses you know film some stuff and we'll just see what happens so that ended up turning into like a full-fledged documentary on the sport of show jumping that's been screened all over the world because of primarily one interview with this gold medal uh Olympian in in show jumping and we were just talking to him about the, the sport and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden he start. we asked him about just hey like recount for us the story behind winning the gold medal. And he, he just starts crying. Wow. And like it becomes this really vulnerable moment. And he's like this really macho guy. Wow. You no, know, wow. where he's now he's now he's just like he's like crying and it was just like this this huge moment. And it was that that moment we like, okay, there's something more there's more of a story here than just horses, yeah, you know. and so it's it's really in trying to get to those moments of vulnerability that completely transform a piece of content, yeah,
0: that's that's so well said. And you know it reminds me of some of sort of like the the greatest storytellers and documentarians and whatnot. and um some of the things that you know that I've read. Right is that uh, you think about like Walter Isaacson for for example, right, and and how he approaches his 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 books and his his biographies, and one of the things that I've heard him quoted uh, in an interview saying is like, I try my best to go in with like no idea of how the story is going to come together, right, versus like. I feel like most of us approach content with uh, like even we were just talking before we went live with in in this interview of, Hey, most of the time when I'm doing interviews or you're being interviewed or you do your interviews, you send your, your interviewee sort of like a a rough frame for, Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. And here are some questions that I'd like you to think about. And like, we are, we're prepping the individual and it's mostly Mm -hmm. a selfish thing. Quite frankly, it's so that like the content that I'm producing on my platform is good, right? Like, that's ultimately why we want to prepare our our, our subjects, right? Same thing yeah. goes for folks working in higher ed marketing. You want to find the right students that are going to frame the university in the best possible light so that your team looks good, so that the president's happy, you, you know, so the board's happy, et cetera, right? That, that is very, that's human nature, quite frankly, right? But yeah. some of the best creators, right, like, they understand that if, if you do that too often or if you're too prescriptive about it, like the content, even if it's high quality, like if it, if it if it comes out and it's well produced, it's lacking any sort of like meaningful, interesting substance, and it quite frankly ends up just sounding like the institution down the street story, right? Because mm-hmm. you went in with with the this you know preconceived notion of how the conversation was going to go or how it should go, right? You worked hard on these questions. You, you you specifically ask these questions to this particular student because you know in the pre interview that they mentioned something about X, Y, or Z and and this isn't to say that no preparation is needed for these things. In fact, people like, you know, Walter Isaacson, for example, right, he's spent his entire like life preparing for these conversations, right, in just his yeah. work. So so there is something to be said for that. But I I often find too in when I when I conduct my own interviews that if I if I'm too formulaic up front, even if the content comes out good it's usually rather boring right like mm-hmm. it's not it's not nearly as interesting whereas if i'm talking to you john and you say something that's sort of off topic not really relevant to the core topic we had agreed to but if i was like intrigued like if there's like a little light bulb that went off in my head and i chose not to pursue that off ramp mm-hmm. like 9 times out of 10 i'm making a huge mistake um and, and yeah i i feel like that just takes practice so like what from your work where have you noticed or like what are some signals that people could look for when they're either conducting their own interviews or they're working with a partner like you to interview their students, where might be an opportunity to leave the script behind or press in deeper or, you know, ask three more follow-up questions because the student reacted this particular way to this topic. Like are there things that we can look for in order Mm -hmm. to quite frankly encourage us to, drop the script and just kind of press into the moment. And if so, what are those things?
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's so much, uh, what to look for, but, but I would say a few techniques that I employ, um, that I really have gotten a lot of value on out of is, um, uh, starting the interview on a foot. That's not about the topic. Hmm. Um, so in my podcast, uh, a few months ago, I started implementing, asking each guest, tell me like the first, my first question after I introduced them is tell me something that people would be surprised to know about you. Yeah, And it's been, that's been my favorite question hmm. because people have some great answers that just put everyone at ease. I um, uh, had a guest on that, that went to uh high school with brad pitt he doesn't even remember but he brad pitt signed his yearbook and he he and and the for what he wrote in the yearbook he assumes they were in gym class together so he he's like i like to tell people i've showered with brad pitt <laughs> you know um i think i also and, heard and you, you had stuff like that and it's and then it's uh, my guest uh, last week liz gross from yeah. uh, campus campus sonar talked about how she's a it's just like a cereal gardener and yeah. her backyard is like a farm and And I'm like, that's great, because like, I love that stuff, too. I love, you know, gardening, growing things, making things myself, figuring things out. Um, So that's just always has been a great way for us to get off on uh, on a different foot and kind of put everything at ease. Um, Another thing kind of midway through the interview or sprinkled throughout, I like to ask. um, I like to ask, like, how did you feel about that? Like, how did that Mm. make you feel? Um, we we want to ask questions that get people into their emotions yeah. and that draw people towards vulnerability. Because when you just ask, well, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, they're giving you the play by play. I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of um, human trafficking survivor stories with uh, Oregon wow. organization. I'm actually wearing their T-shirt to the, the Joseph Project. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> and uh, they, they do pro bono legal services for uh, human trafficking survivors because when people are trafficked, they pick up. All these charges that they wouldn't have gotten on their record had they not been victimized and so they connect them with uh, pro bono lawyers to get their records of wow. super cool organization but in those um there's so much play by play in those interviews of like i met this guy this is what happened and this is how he abused me whatever blah 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 and then it's really those moments where i'm like how did that make you feel yeah. or that must have been terrifying yeah you know where then they go yeah it was and you kind of just see this like like this real this this point you see this body language of like the vulnerability start to come out yeah you know where it's like they've told this story a million times yeah um but it's like man someone just validating that that must have been terrifying you yeah. know all, all of a sudden it opens up this door to vulnerable responses you yeah. know from that um so I, th- and, and that's not, you know, so, but, but like, yeah, v- when you validate someone's feelings and you, uh, and even if we're sitting with a student or alumni and they're just talking about like an aspiration that they were pursuing, hmm. you know, whatever, it might not be as dramatic as <laughs> I'm sure it's probably not as dramatic as human trafficking, yeah Uh but you know, they're, they're maybe they had a barrier to overcome maybe they were a first generation college student or something like that and they didn't know english wasn't their first language or whatever it's just man that must have been really hard yeah or like or like man how did you feel about that like what like what what did you think about like what kept you up at night you know and and then also just kind of validating and and sort of saying like that must have felt like blank or man you must have been really proud of yourself or something like that and and those responses yeah. tend to be the vulnerable ones yeah. um the other one is uh I mean I think most videographers use and, and, and employ this one is that at the end of the interview some of the best responses have come from just being like what else yeah <laughs> and just <laughs> and just leaving it there um did a I in my previous production company that I worked for, I was a creative director there and we, we did a lot of documentary stuff. We, one of our clients was this food service, um, uh, company. They, they do like all the food service for like GM and, uh, you know, stuff like that, like wow. all the high end food, um, their CEO, we've filmed him a number of times and every time he doesn't want to be on camera. He's said, mm-hmm. like, I'm not the important one. I I don't have anything great to say. We interview these other guys and we're like, no, Jim, like you got something to say. Yeah. And we would do this whole interview and he would, he would be kind of, you know, rehearsed, whatever it would be great. But then we would go, Jim, what else? Like, what else didn't we ask you? And he'd be like, ah, I think that's about it, but you know what? Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) blah. And he would say the most amazing thing that would be the anchor for the entire video right there. (laughs) (laughs) Every time, every time it was like, we would all the crew and we got became good friends with the client we would all like ask that question and we would just look at each other like, yep, there it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then like, and I think that that
0: speaks to like the whole like timing and space, right? And and really quite frankly, like the patience of, hey, yeah. you know, if if you want something like great, it, it's very rare that you can get anything great quickly, right? It usually takes yeah. a little bit of time and the same thing goes for storytelling. And I think that oftentimes we're, we're so rushed or, or we're so, especially in higher ed marketers who have a lot on their plate, it, 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 this is just the next project, right? To, to kind of like get through one of like 17 things that they're juggling right now. And I think as video, as just a medium becomes increasingly more important, quite frankly, becomes like the primary medium it already is in which storytelling takes place. It's only going to be amplified even more in, in the years to come. All, all the more need, quite frankly, to make sure that you have systems and processes and structure in place that allow for space and, and, mm-hmm. and allow allow for time and you know one of, one of the things that i'd be curious if, if you've seen some good examples of this john or not but i keep waiting for like the almost like the reality tv show sort of uh, approach for for student stories right of like hey what does it actually look like to follow a few students throughout their entire four years at your respective college or university and then how do you package that into fantastic, you have to wait four years, right? But then, like, how do you how do you take that? You don't even have to wait four years. You could release content like, uh, you know, as they're as they're living out their experience. But then, on, on the back end, how do you take all of that and package it and release it and like, hey, meet John. This is who John was. These are literally John's words. These are the things that he's thinking about and working through in his freshman year of college. Versus meeting sophomore sophomore John versus junior John, etc. Mm-hmm. Are are there examples out there that come to mind of schools that are doing this sort of work well and if not why do you think that
1: that's the case well zach you just gave me an incredible idea (laughs) i'm like what if we what if a school had a youtube channel just for one student yeah you know exactly and, and then you know they had several of these and you could follow a student that was in the program that you're interested in and you could subscribe to their journey that's a freaking amazing idea (laughs) yeah and i mean that
0: needs to happen like there's there's no reason that that shouldn't happen except for except for fear of like oh well what what if the what if the program's not what if their experience of the program isn't so great but hey people like authentic content and if that's actually true then maybe there's something wrong with your program and 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 not necessarily something wrong with the student's experience of it
1: for sure if 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 um i'm actually very skeptical of any product that has 100 positive reviews because mm. it's just not realistic yeah. like yeah. like sh- somebody has to have hit hit a hiccup yeah there it's just not you know like and I and I just assume that you're I don't trust you yeah I just assume you're feeding me what I want to hear um mm. so so but yeah um you know how do you package that that's one that's one idea you know, have a whole account dedicated to someone's journey and how you incentivize that person to document their journey or let a video crew follow them around. That might be kind of intense for four years to have yeah. <laughs> you know a videographer following them around, but you know, Gary V does it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary V, you know, uh, might have a budget
0: that's a little bit different than most of our listeners, but, but that's, sure. <laughs> but that said, right. Like schools do spend a lot of money on, on marketing stuff. It's like, what does it, what does it look like to find, you know, to To basically say, hey, this is a, we're going to commit, you know, some amount of significant dollars to this over the next four years, and we're just going to see what happens. Like, I guarantee, right? Especially if you can, if you can make. I mean, think about like all the real, think about love. It like Love Is Blind, right? Have you watched Love Is Blind? Do you know, I products? am obsessed with that okay, show. Okay, I'm okay. glad
1: you asked. Great, we great. We do a whole. <laughs> other podcast episode on that and I'm ready to go right now uh, wonderful wonderful <laughs>
0: okay well I I am like a my, my wife's a, a big fan of it and I I like watch episodes I probably watch like I've watched a couple seasons with her I am watching the, the the most recent season with her but I'm behind so don't don't tell me if you I won't tell finish you. the season but <laughs> but the point being like um and, and this is this is not new their formula is not new at all but what's different about reality tv today than a decade ago, right? Is that you can kind of follow the story in real time on Instagram, right? Like you, like my wife like goes and she like you know follows all these accounts, like she knows what people are saying about, you know, so and so in real time as the show's like playing out. So like yeah. you take one series on Netflix, right? And and you know, it's eight or 10, 12 episodes, whatever however long the actual like season is. But, and, and that's 12, you know, long-form pieces of content. But then the amount of, like, secondary, tertiary, and just, like, bite-sized pieces, pieces of content that get created about the show and about, like, whose team are you on? And, and all of this is in real time. I mean, it's incredible. It's why it's one of Netflix's, like, highest-grossing products is, 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 mm-hmm. is because of that, right? And you think... how this is not a hard like from a production standpoint like this is the this doesn't look that hard right um it's not it's not a well-polished documentary uh and and you just you just leave i always leave wondering like wow like why isn't this in like if this was just higher ed like if if somebody did stuff like this you know hopefully in a little bit more of a tasteful fashion it's less you know romantic focused and and more just student experience focused. but that's that's like a billion dollar idea like why why aren't people doing that
1: Anyways, sorry, I'll get off my I own bet soapbox. that would be if you had a romantic component oh, even <laughs> to that account, that would seriously amplify the content, I think. I would say any school uh please hire me to do this cuz this <laughs> sounds amazing. And if but like people get so invested in who's dating who, yeah. and I think that that could be such a good side story like underpinning story of like People are like finding themselves and finding these important relationships in their life in college and it's really just addressing this idea of you know belonging and um i don't know you know just but but just that stage of life and and people get so invested it's it's amazing what people get invested in um but the yeah the 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 t you're like if you're watching love is blind you're like on one team or another and everyone's trying to figure out who's the villain and what's going to happen and i posted on my instagram stories yesterday i was like it's it's love is blind reels season and i'm here for it (laughs) you know because it's like all the parody stuff comes out and it's so funny yeah um but like people just but like people eat that stuff up because they're the parodies are exactly communicating what you're thinking, watching this (laughs) trashy show, but you're, you, you get so opinionated. And uh, (laughs) like my wife and I have like all these strong opinions about people that we, we know only from the edited version of themselves. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, but like, that's a, that's a thing. That's like, you know, I saw, uh, I think it was NYU maybe, um, it was this girl that I didn't watch any, any of her other stuff, but she had like this 12 minute video of her documenting her first day of school at, I think it was NYU. Um, and it was just selfie stuff of like, Hey, I'm walking to class or, Hey, I'm in class and doing this lecture. I'm taking notes, whatever. Um, and it was actually really interesting to watch her journey and just see the normal stuff that she was doing. Mm. But then she actually connected that to like her brand which she was linking affiliate links to every outfit that she was wearing in the youtube description and i just thought that is brilliant that's marrying what somebody cares about that would be an incentive for them to create content for you yeah with what the school cares about yeah um but yeah i you know that's that's like Finding ways to be unscripted, to be vulnerable, to talk about things that might not the communications might make the communications uh, PR team squirm a little bit. You know, I think that's all very smart marketing. Yeah, um, is if you can get if you can get people invested in other people, that's going to reflect on your brand. And I think that's I think that's really the 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 linchpin here or whatever. With storytelling is is how we get it wrong is we think about storytelling as um telling the story of our brand Hmm. which nobody cares about yeah to be quite honest yeah (laughs) you know because people aren't connecting to a brand you know and it's um like if you look on uh i always like to look at packaging Hmm. on uh you know like a water bottle packaging or Coconut water, whatever, whatever it is, and have where it says, like, oh, here's our story. Yeah. You know, and then you read, and it's like water from a glacier and it was filtered <laughs> through whatever, whatever. And it's just, it's just flowery information. And you get done reading that. I'm like, if I said to somebody, Hey, Zach, I want to tell you a story. Um, It's it's water from a glacier. It's blah, blah, blah. It's blah, blah, blah. Like, here's all the features. You'd be like, where's the story? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the student or where's the where's the human element element? Yeah. In that. So it's like that is really storytelling is a very basic thing. I think we overcomplicate it, but it's sort of like, you know, when you're telling a story, if you could if you could take what you said and say to someone at a party, let me tell you a story. And if yeah. it would be awkward for you to tell that story, <laughs> then then you're probably focusing too much on the brand, um, you know, so that's yeah, that that's incredibly well said. I
0: and, and I think that 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 framing actually really, really helps. Right. Like if, if you're trying to discern whether or not you're collecting information, right, and or harnessing like a, a real story, I think asking yourself that very question is is super helpful like if you were to articulate this to somebody that you had just met at a party after saying let me tell you a story would it sound like a feature set or would it sound like something actually compelling and and i think that that, that's a wonderful like litmus test right of like what whether or not you are doing doing the right work um i i do i do want to ask uh as you as you think about like storytelling and you think specifically about the the vehicles right the the mediums in which stories are are most often told today which is you know through <laughs> through instagram through youtube right as 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 creators leverage these platforms in, in really kind of cool interesting amazing ways right now where, where do you see the opportunity for schools to latch on to or, or partner with um creators because one of the things i've talked about several times on on this podcast is like higher ed has access to a plethora of like people that are living the experience of their brand on a day-to-day basis, right? And mm-hmm. many of those people have and a growing number of them have Instagram accounts and YouTube accounts and they care about content, they care about creating content. They might have a niche following that has, you know, at face value nothing to really do with your institution, but they do have an audience, right? Like how how do institutions do a better job at partnering with their students to not just tell their stories on their platforms but to help empower mm-hmm. students to tell the institution's, you know, story on, on their respective yeah. platforms. Like what, what does that look like in over the next few years from, from your vantage point?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's a code that I've been trying to crack probably for, <laughs> for the last year. Cause, <laughs> cause you know, what my company does is very, you know, more like the high end sort of yeah. com- kind of commercial level documentary type stuff. Um, but there's so so much value in this user generated content and i've talked to so many schools who have done varying levels of incentives uh and and ways of you know getting people to talk about the school on their channels uh there's all kind of you know brand ambassador programs um you know incentive hiring student interns to create content um paying you know monetarily incentivizing students you know to create content yeah and I don't know that anyone's really, uh, cracked that code yet, but there is, there is such an opportunity, you know, what goes through my mind as we were just talking about this, um, you know, following somebody on a channel through their journey at college. Like what if you created a scholarship around that, a content creation scholarship, and it's like, let's just say you were just going to go full throttle and like, we're going to give you a, a full ride if you're an influencer already and you're already creating great content we're going to give you a full ride uh to the school to come document your journey here. Yeah. I mean yeah. that might you know that's a lever that you can pull. Um but it really comes down to I think it's a tough road just to just to just constantly be pestering ev- the whole student body to be like oh please create content and tag us like yeah. they don't care yeah. like they they they'll do if they want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know but like if you can rope somebody into an agreement and ideally that's someone that's already having influence and already um, experimenting with new ways of creating and things because people because your student creators are going to are going to have spins on things and and create pieces of content that you would never think to do it that way and the way that they would do it is going to be so much more effective (laughs) than what the marketing team assumes people want to want to see um so i think it's just it's a you know, it's something that I think about a lot is like, how, how do we, you know, from a video company perspective, you know, how do I help my clients not only harness the power of this high quality video content, but also how do we, how do we get that working in tandem with user generated content? Yeah. I think there's a definite like opportunity for like what I see a lot of on, on TikTok or reels you know if you're a millennial you're just watching TikTok reruns on yeah, on reels, <laughs> on reels. <laughs> for the most part i saw a meme that was like i watch TikTok on reels like a real adult or something like that <laughs> you know <laughs> um, but it's like what i gravitate towards is following somebody's journey and i get fed a lot because i i uh, you know i do a lot of I, i'm interested in like passive income streams and side hustle type type stuff. So I get fed a lot of that entrepreneurial side side hustle stuff. And some people that show up in my feed are like, um, follow me on my journey to, to hit my first, like six figure month or whatever it is. And I'm like, that is so interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's, it's like, I would love to do what she's doing. And I'm so curious to see what she's trying, um, you know, and, 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 and and there's so, so much of that, where it's just like, follow me on this, this journey. Um, and that's kind of where I've been with my podcast. And then with the subsequent newsletter that comes out, I kind of try to take that approach of like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm with you in the yeah. higher end marketing, you know, thing, but I'm also a business owner. That's also trying to market my business in a similar way. Yeah. So come with me on this journey of like using AI to create a blog post from a podcast episode or yeah. like. What, whatever it is um and i just think that that tends to be the most popular content that that i put out is in in the newsletter the most clicked on stuff where it's just like hey i learned this thing follow yeah. me as i'm trying to do this and maybe you can put it to use in your uh in your higher ed context but i think that that's that's an opportunity for a school is to um i think when you think about like oh how do we get a student creator to uh, to, to just if you just say, like, create content, like, yeah. it's that's overwhelming. It's so, but, you know, we yeah. can really simplify it to be like a TikTok, very successful TikTok channel can be you do ju- you just do this one simple thing every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and and it's it, it might just be like, what did I do today to gain to earn passive income and how much did I earn? Yeah, that that might be it. It's um, I'm blanking on. You know, it might just be dancing. You're, you're, you're just, you just, know, you're learning, salsa. boyfriend, girlfriend, get together, just dance. Do yeah. you do the latest dance trend in your pajamas? That's, there's one couple that does that, you know? Yeah. It's just like, come up with something that you can repeat and that gives students a very um, easy structure that can be re- replicated. That's not overwhelming. And then, you know, you can pl- apply that across the board on like TikTok shorts, reels, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, great,
0: great, great ideas. And, and just to piggyback off it uh, with a couple things. One, to your point about folks liking to follow people along a journey. I think what's really interesting about that is it, it's everyone's skeptical of like the talking head that's like, here's how I made, you know, $5 million last year we're working, you know, five hours a week or something like that. Like there, there are right. all these like gurus that have quote unquote made it. And you know, half the time you're like, are you really like as successful as you say you are? Because if you are, yeah. why are you creating this content? It's, it's dumb, right? Go, go enjoy your money. Right. So, so that's mm-hmm. one, one, one perspective. And another perspective is just like, okay, you know, maybe they, they have done it, but if they have done it and you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like it seems too crazy for, for me to believe, but right. If I'm, if somebody's inviting me to follow them on a journey to make, you know, ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars in a month, and they haven't done it yet, that that is what's intriguing, right? Because it's like, Absolutely. hey, like you you are tr- you are putting yourself out there. You're like jumping into the arena, right? You are exposing yourself to be to 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 fail, quite frankly. Um, so I either, maybe it's the sick part of me. That's like wondering if you will fail. Right. But, but the, you know, the better part of me, I think is like wanting you to win and wanting to learn from you along the way, but that is so much more interesting than listening to somebody who's already done it. Right. So I I think think that, that, that that, there's a certain element there. And the, the second thing that I would say is like, we're talking a lot about like, Hey, how do you help your students? How do you help inspire your student body to create content for you? Uh, whether whether through paid meetings, through, you know, just inspiring them, make, making it super simple, hey, follow this particular format, post on TikTok, we'll we'll select one person every day to get $50 lunch credit to the dining hall or whatever it is, like you could do something like that. But you could also just to make this a hell of a lot easier for folks, you could just decide like, hey, we want to create an insane amount of Instagrammable moments at our college or university, right? Like our goal for the, as a marketing team over the next year, we just want to create moments on campus that are so cool and so different and so unique that everyone just wants to post about it on Instagram and TikTok. Like that, 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 that could be a strategy that saves you from having to, you know, spend a lot of time worrying about or trying to get students to to become creators for you. Instead, just give them something so exceptional or, an, or such a ridiculous experience that they can't help but create content about that experience, right? So, like, mm-hmm. th- that's another thing to think about. Like, what if you and your marketing team walked around campus and everyone had to come up with 10 ideas of things that we could do in over the next semester to make something instagrammable like what yeah. w- that would be such a fun creative exercise and i don't know like allison tercio from from uh siena college has done something like this and it's worked really really well for her team and it's just something that is seemingly easy Um, uh, I should say it's, it's simple, um, and, 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 and maybe, maybe, maybe not easy, but it, but, but these are simple things, um, that, you know, if you're not in a position to go hire a bunch of creators overnight, think about how do I how do I create a ton of Instagrammable moments?
1: Yeah. Allison does a great job of, um, uh, building community offline as well, you know, as well as online. And I think that's, that's a really important thing where like social media content is exists Online. online. But it's seated. It's the the catalyst for the content is offline. Yeah. So so you you need it's 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 very important to, yeah, kind of bridge the gap between this digital um, relationship that you have with someone uh, and and like seeing them in real life and experiencing something together. So, yeah, creating uh, creating fun events that are worth, um, you know, you know, Instagramming or whatever, but like also there's something really powerful in, um, people being able to follow a character yeah. through an experience. Yeah. So like one of the things, so we're getting ready. There's a business school here in, in, um, in Michigan that we work with called Cleary university, and we're getting ready to do, uh, like a subscription of like hype videos where over the course of the next year, we're doing hype videos of all 17 of their sports, um, Uh, Because the big athletics component. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I'm working through this creative direction yesterday and I'm like, we need to focus in on a few athletes per team because it just gives someone to like anchor themselves to um, to watch them warming up, seeing, seeing, you know, hearing from them, hearing their voice, seeing if do they win, do they lose? what, What failures did they, you know, run into things like that? And that's such a good um, just thing to remember with content creation is give somebody a human to latch on to because that's the beauty of anything that's binge worthy. That's the only reason people keep coming back to love is blind to watch. That is because they are hooked on certain people. They they love to hate the person that they that, that that's the villain. Yeah, they they are rooting for the person that's like just very sweet and innocent and you want the best for them. And you can and and if you look at um, there's this whole TikTok phenomenon of um, sororities and the the new process of recruiting sorority members. This rush, it's like called Rush Talk. Yeah. yeah, hashtag Rush Talk. If you if you search that hashtag, and it's sorority girls doing these elaborate dances and this dog and pony show of content and building a following uh in order to be accepted into a sorority but not only is it about that it's brands are making major deals with these uh with these sorority hopefuls and these girls are launching um major career like influencer careers based on this and people are actually watching and rooting for their favorites and like following this journey as they would a reality tv show yeah um, and that's so interesting to me because I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why people would care about that, but people do care. yeah. Um, and 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 the beauty and the science of that is you're giving people a character to latch on. So what would it look like to create an event, but then take a core group of three or four individuals to commit to creating content and, and bringing people on a, on a journey. That's more than just like, Oh, here's a, here's a picture of this, yeah. um, fun social, you know, dance that we did. But, but maybe it's like, Hey, let's, uh, let's take people, you know, a month ahead of time and, uh, they got to find a date to yeah. this dance, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, make it interesting. It's like, how, how are they going to navigate that? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> you know, and then, and then it just paints the dance in a much stronger light. Cause it's like, Now you're seeing the event, but you've got such an emotional attachment to what it took to get there for certain people. And everyone can relate to that. Like, I want to date people, but I don't know where to meet people at anymore, you Mm, know, except for online, you know, and the online dating, I hear, I don't know, it's been a long time since I, (laughs) I I completely surpassed the online day. I got married before that, that whole (laughs) thing (laughs) took off, but I hear it's just very volatile. Um, you know, so the idea of you know watching someone go through that, trying to find I don't know a date or something like that. I to me that's interesting. Maybe I'm just really in like love is blind mode, and I'm just like <laughs> everything should be a dating show. If, yeah, yeah. I think all colleges should have their own version of a dating show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, oh, dude, this has been um a, a super awesome conversation, John. I really appreciate your time and. It's been fun to riff on these ideas. I really do hope, you know, folks listening in. Take these ideas and and uh, run with a couple of them, and then if you do, like, let us know. Like, I, we want to see we want to see you create your own Love Is Blind at your college or university, <laughs> right? We want we want to think we want you to think critically about how to create Instagramable moments and tell us about them. So, uh, John, if folks do want uh, some help, and if they're they're listening to these ideas, they love these ideas, but they don't they know that they don't have the internal staffing to to make this happen. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you and to learn a little bit more about your team and, and your respective
1: services? Yeah, my company is called Unveiled, it's spelled U-N-V-E-I-L-D, and we're at Unveiled.tv. Um, our biggest thing that we work with schools on is a subscription offering a storytelling subscription. So it's a it's a monthly, you know, we batch shoot a year's worth of content and then we drip out storytelling content each month. So it kind of automates the process of this content creation and creating meaningful, vulnerable content. Um, so you can learn that, about that on the website. Um, also my podcast is called higher ed storytelling university. And then I have a month or a weekly newsletter that comes out. So you can sign up at unveiled.tv newsletter. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. If you want to just chat. <laughs> Wonderful, and
0: we will have links to John's website, his LinkedIn profile, um, and his podcast, which I highly recommend that you guys listen to as well. Several of the folks we have found on this show have been on that show, but they also have uh, just a plethora of, of great stories. One of the things I learned actually in your your interview with Eric Stoller is that he had a dinner with Taylor Swift unexpectedly. That was like his like fun fact, uh, which was which yeah. was a real fun fact. So, um, so yeah, can't recommend the show enough. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time, in. it's been a real pleasure.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great to be here.
0: Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts.